so I'm here. Surprise. Surprise. I'm back here. It is, it is I, MS Creative AF, Sheba Creative AF, and I am bringing you guys a new podcast. This is Power Up Royalty. And in this show, I will be bringing folks through to discuss and talk about various aspects of life and growth. And my endeavors are for the purpose of empowering our community in order for us to be able to see ourselves as great and powerful like Oz so that we can move out of this matrix living in the best way we know how through funky enjoyment. Um, if you have been listening, because this is going to run on the podcast feed as well as stream live into the bug pod prod group, and that is short for productions. Okay. Not movement, even though this is about movement. If you've been listening, you know that the last episode I dropped was about six months ago before my computer broke. And I thought I was, I thought I was okay because I said, (laughs) I said, Okay, we're going to experience a great big shift right here. We got some some excellent growth coming through here. But I, and I said this, but I think I've already done this is what I was saying. And then my computer broke and then I had to expand. And now here I am with the new show. So I do have a guest today, Nelson Hawkins Jr. He has been on the podcast feed before. So we are bringing Nelson back. He has a new endeavor and he's going to talk to us about that. And we are going to get into this DNA and how trauma is stored in the DNA. And he's going to give us all the scientific information. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the spiritual aspect. And we also have a meme of the week. I want to talk about a meme that was posted in the group and just get his thoughts on it and have a little bit of banter. So hopefully anybody watching is ready to engage okay all right so welcome nelson good afternoon everyone it's a pleasure to be here pleasure to uh actually get down and talk about uh the first of uh these growth topics thank you for having me on sheba you're welcome you're welcome and i appreciate you for using my new name your look confused <laughs> no, 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 I knew, speaking of growth, I knew you were growing into this, no, 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 I, I knew you were growing, no, I absolutely knew you were, no, 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 I knew you were growing into this. Absolutely. That was a, that was an interesting time, that growth phase, I'll say that, but I'm glad to be here now, I'm glad to be here now, you've grown as well, like, just before we jump into the interview topics, I want to congratulate you for exiting your corporate job. Man, listen, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was just time. It was just time. My 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 personal creative brands, my life calling, all that, all those things were being stymied by a position that wasn't really even allowing me to exercise my gifts. It just came to be time. So I made that move. Yes. And I feel the same way. So six months ago, March, I left my job. So we are in the trenches together, friend, and I'm proud of you. And I look forward to see what explodes from your faith and the leap that you have taken. Absolutely. So Nelson, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and how you got to this point in your career? 
All right. So um, I'm not sure, quite sure how far back I need to go into the Wayback Machine to appropriately characterize this. Uh, spoiler alert. I'm a little goofy. I, I swear I know what I'm talking about, though, just a little bit. So uh, I, I think the best uh, kind of nexus point would be maybe about 10 years ago where I was a Ph.D. student at a prominent institution uh, that will remain nameless for now. And I discovered that I wasn't having fun doing the science. I was I, I, I was a researcher, a graduate student. I wasn't having fun doing the science. What I was having fun doing was mentoring. I was having fun mentoring, even though I was I wasn't given any official mentees, uh, younger students in, in, in grad school. Uh, summer interns at the undergraduate level, I developed a passion for education. And I, and I was just wondering, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? Because the traditional paradigm is, you know, you get your PhD and then you go into academia, you do the research and then you mentor, you do education that way. Well, it's like, I, I, I don't want to do it that way. So uh, I had a leap about 10 years ago uh, very similar to the one that I more recently did that I leapt away from that uh, traditional education track, if you will, the traditional research track to pursue my passion of education. And I was doing everything from from youth ministry to tutoring and all and all these different things and tried to go into the school system and the school system kicked my butt. Got an actual mentee out of that one, though. Um, if, if, if you're watching this, I'm very proud of you. Um, but it was the exposure to the actual community because when I was researching, I was very insulated. I would, I would get up, I would go to lab and I would go home. I was, I was never in a community. I didn't understand kind of the dynamics of growth, who we'll be talking about a little bit later and kind of the, 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 the challenges and hindrances that our youth currently, that our youth have been dealing with for probably years, and I was just tone deaf to it. And that's where my passion developed because I feel like there's this piece called, and, I, and I, that's probably a more official way to characterize it, called the Opportunity Index. Mm. Well, my passion is uh, kids with low Opportunity Index, and spoiler alert, unfortunately, a lot of them look like us. Yeah. with a low opportunity index. So I wanted to give these uh, young people comprehensive education because whether it's the, 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 the urban level or your title ones or it's your top tier institutions, what I didn't see in comprehensive education is I didn't see skills being taught like the academic skills and your science, your, your math and your deeper math your, and, and whatnot. I didn't see that being coupled to the practicality of how it worked in the real world. And even if an institution had those two aspects, nobody was teaching the character development to want to use those skills and apply them practically to uplift families, uplift communities. No, no, like it, it, I didn't see it anywhere. So I wanted to center all the aspects of my brand around that concept, whether, whether it was the faith-based brand, the science brand, educational brand, and or any of Got, you know, my other sub brands that that's the central message, comprehensive education. How do you learn it? How does it work? How do you use it to help people? That's kind of the central piece of everything that I do. So that I guess that's me in a nutshell. OK, I've just been kind of describing you as a super nerd. And I'm, 
<laughs> you remind me a lot Absolutely. of my dad in that way. Like my dad was a super nerd. So like, that's what he would call himself. You know, he was really into learning everything. He was an engineer and he, his glasses were always a little bit off, you know, like he was a super nerd and, and there's an appreciation for that because even though I don't present myself that way, I'm carrying the DNA of a super nerd. So I'm like a, a hidden nerd, if that makes sense. Probably yeah. not hiding very well. <laughs> um, I, I always thought you were one of the cool kids and you can be super intelligent and super in the nerd things and still be one of the cool kids. Really? Uh, I mean, that, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. Okay. So let me ask you a question because something came up for me when you were talking. How do you think faith and science actually intersect? Somebody's left a comment. Hey, Facebook user, make sure that y'all, if you're watching in the group, make sure that you go to the StreamYard link in, in the body of the post so that we can see your, uh, see who you are. So you got to give them rights to show your name and stuff. But yes, what do you think is the intersection there? Or how do you think they complement each other, faith and, and uh, science? Oh, so um, any actual study that's done in regard to your question is innocuous and specious at best. Mm. But I definitely believe, well, let's talk about what I don't believe. If okay. Don't believe her. I don't believe that there's that, that, that there's just this massive divide between faith and science where where um, church, where, where faith is not allowed in the laboratory and science is not allowed in the church house. I actually, my uh, department chair when I was in grad school had one of the most um, tone deaf, uh, egregiously offensive uh, presentations that I had ever seen toward faith. Like he, he wore his anti-faith stance on his sleeve and I, 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 I get it, but no, for for multiple reasons, it was it was it was in poor taste. It was just egregious. It was just grossly inaccurate. So what I would have to say is is when 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 we think about science, let's take a step back from the the kind of the the subjects we want to be talking about today, the, the the genetics and whatnot. Let's just talk about the cosmology, if you will, kind of the the creation of everything. Mm -hmm. So in 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 all kinds of uh, in all kinds and all sorts of documentation, you hear, oh, well, it, 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 it happened this way, but the universe is so fragile, a little bit of this to the left and a little bit of this to the right, or and, and we're, we're not here, the universe is not here, how did the universe even be created? I mean, for something to be created, in my, it, it, this is just my opinion, I'm taking a step back from my specific faith and just talking about faith in general at this point, mm -hmm. but for something to be created, there has to be a creator. Nothing is created just by chance. Yeah. And, and, and when you think about all the possible outcomes, like for the for the vastness of the universe, like light years and, and trillion, 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 trillion light years. I'm, I think that's the figure. But don't <laughs> it don't, doesn't don't, matter. We don't, don't know. Don't call me on that number. We don't know. We, we literally don't know. Because uh, what what what? What they don't tell you is is that all the all those cos cosmological calculations are based on predictions and algorithms. But who could have predicted that the universe was going to configure in such a way that seven that seven billion people are going to be on this one rock over here and kind of have this 
society, this complex society. Like right. the universe has to configure itself in such a way for society to even be possible. Yeah. So when you're talking, when you're talking about a complex creation like this, how is this chance? How is right. this chance? Where where's your mathematical equation that 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 says this? Because right. I mean, the body of knowledge, even just in medical science, re- revises itself every eighteen months. But what's the absolute answer? We're always in pursuit of it. We're always in pursuit of it. If if things happen by if things happen by chance, then what direction are we going in? There, there has right. to be a, there has to be a direction that we're going in because there's a direction we came from. Right. And, I, I agree, and I feel like. I mean, because I was a person that had no faith for a long time, mostly because of what life had taken me through and this is how I felt abandoned, you know. But when I came to, you know, this spirituality and, you know, rediscovery and reinvention and rebirth, it's like this, like as a creative, as a person who creates things and with my prayer being that they will continue to produce, like there's got to be a mastermind behind something that has sustained itself for that, that long of a time. Like there's a program that's running and something created the program, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, uh, and, you know, a lot of people would take a time out to say, well, you know, there are all kinds of, of, of different, of different faiths and stuff like that. And there are a lot of people um, who just believe that, Oh, well, maybe, well, maybe it was this, intelligent design and maybe it was that intelligent design and maybe it was this intelligent design and kind of what I've come to come to know from my comparative religion studies is that there there are very few paradigms of both intelligent and benevolent design there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of paradigms that have intelligent design but there are very few that have intelligent and benevolent design and without getting uh, any deeper into where I stand, uh, there's a link for that. I'm sure uh, Sheba will provide that at some point. But uh, just to, when I get into that, why would you want? Why is is we as people? Because it, it's a it's an emotional truth. We want to love, be loved the way we want to be loved. Mm-hmm. So if unless you have an intel, both an intelligent and a benevolent design, right? How do you get that love? Just right. how do you get how do you get that love? Because we, we talk about self-love, but self-love without the context of content, self-love without the context of God love is narcissism. Yeah. So, and, and, and narcissism is just all kinds of toxic. You, 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 you're toxic to yourself. You talk to everybody around you, but with, 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 without, uh, going off on that tangent, because we could do like a series of podcasts just on that. <laughs> I will, I will, uh, kind of, Pump the brakes. Did that sufficiently answer your question, or did or did you did it need uh, more information from there? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I'll add this before I ask the next next question. The way that I came to learn to love myself because I was a self hater, which is why I always say before I jump off of anything, you know, I'll see y'all later. Don't be a self hater because I really, really pray that for everybody. I came to love myself because I came to love the Creator, and I realized that God lived in there in my body. So I was like, well, if I love my creator, then I have to love myself too. So that was kind of how I came to that. Okay, so here's the next question. So how did you know or learn that God was trying to use you? Um, 
so to appropriately answer this question, I feel like I need to kind of talk about talents versus gifts. Okay. So talents versus gifts. So every so both talents and gifts are God given. And you're supposed to operate in both your talents and your gifts. Now, other people have different characterizations, but from 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 where you're hearing it from me on September 16, 2021, is that the fundamental difference between your talents and your gifts is that you can explain your talents way better than your gifts. You can explain why you're good at something as a talent better than a gift. I feel like with a gift, you're like the light bulb just kind of went off and Mm -hmm. it was okay. Well, I have this now, then I I need, I guess I need to go do something with it, but what? And then that starts that faith journey because you can't characterize how well you can't characterize very well what you're gifted at. Absolutely. So, um, so that starts that faith journey. So for me, I spent my whole life, as 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 a as an as an outcast, a misfit, super introvert, never talked a lot, and and then this 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 passion was put upon me. This 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 inclination to help children, to help youth, and one thing that anybody who deals with children anywhere will probably tell you is. You have to be, you have to, you have to have a special kind of extroversion to deal with children. It's a special kind of extroversion where you are authoritative, you are relational, and there, 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 there has to be something about you that, 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 that the people, that the youth kind of gravitate towards you with and, with me, it was very awkward at first because I was doing youth ministry while I was still in graduate school and I was stiff and just I just wasn't there. And it, it just like and, 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 and it clicked. It, it was like, Nelson, stop being so religious. Religion Ooh. has its religion has its place. Religiosity does not. And I did a I did a I did a video about that eons ago about the difference between religion and religiosity. And the fundamental difference is, is that you rally to the need of that person. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true religion. You're rallying to people's needs. And in rallying to people's needs and addressing people's needs, they say nobody cares that you know until they know that you care. Mm-hmm. You got to show them that you have to authentically show them that you care. These kids in these Title I institutions, they've seen, kid, they've seen teachers get up there and do that, that teach like a champion Doug LaMob stuff. And I don't, I, don't got, I don't have anything against Doug LaMob and his methods and everything like that. But when you have kids that have more fundamental needs in their lives that are not being met, these teaching techniques are going to be seen as, oh, well, this teacher is going through the most. This teacher is going through the most. They don't care. So when I was teaching um, about seven years ago, I would take time out in certain classes because I knew my administrators weren't coming. So those of you who are in traditional education, so (laughs) I took time out because I was ahead of my curriculum and I would just preempt the entire lesson and just talk to these and talk to the kids about life, talk to them about life and not, well, you, well, you shouldn't be having sex and children, 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 no sell that like politicians, no sell telling the truth. Yeah. when you when you sit down and talk to them and be like, okay, I made this mistake. This is what I did. 
this is this is this is why I want you to take this path. This is why I want you to do what 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 I'm suggesting. Th these are the benefits. These are the consequences. And when you make that initial connection, then you can start going into kind of the the the, the minutia of it. And, and and to be perfectly honest, that that special extroversion kind of mm -hmm. clicks for me in that period of my class. And that's where I got my mint. And that's where I got my mentee from, even though I didn't spend a lot of time in the traditional school system, yeah. but I check in with him every couple, I've been checking with him every couple of weeks for the last six and a half years. So. Wow. Wow. Um, and he's growing through your, uh, through your prodding. <laughs> yes. Um, he's, I think he's like 20, 22, 23 years old now. And he's working a job, got a car, got his own place. And I mean, he just living, he just living his life. I mean, and what I would tell anybody who's mentoring is there is one you. Mm. So if you mentor trying to produce more yous, you didn't miss the boat. You didn't yeah. miss the boat. Because if you don't let your mentee develop their own personality, it's just not going to work. A wise woman once told me if two people agree on everything, one of y'all is irrelevant. Get out of here. I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think, I think for me, when I, when I started creative AF, I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, just like you said, it was like recognizing the gift I had, which was just that people came to dump and, and they felt better when they left and I gave them solutions and they were gone. But that wasn't something that I went to school for or that I had honed or, you know, polished. It was something that I always had in my life, you know? So it was hard for me to quantify that and explain it. Cause I felt of course, like a weirdo. Cause that was just a natural gift that came to me. But it's like, you can't be ashamed of that. Like it was given to you by your DNA, by this creator that, that programmed your DNA, you know, so own it, you know, that was my dad's work and he had a stutter. So he didn't speak very much. He used to go to Toastmasters so that he could practice his public speaking. And I don't have to do that. So I'm like, if I'm going to use the DNA now and I don't have to do that, I need to flex in it. That's why I'm like, let me podcast everywhere I possibly can. Cause I have to share the truth here, you know? So let me ask you this final question before we go into the meme of the week. Do you think God source creator has a sense of humor? And is it funny to you? Um, to appropriate, I, I, I gotta stop saying appropriate. So in my mind, we have to define what humor is. If okay. we're talking, to, if we're talking about the, if we're talking about Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle, uh, for, for my throwback people, uh, Eddie Murphy, George Carlin, sense of humor. No, but when we're talking about irony, if you will, and it, it, it and, and let me say this right now, it is only ironic to us. <laughs> so I, I do feel like God deliberately creates situations that you just you just sitting there like really, really, because because because. You, you'll have a certain characterization of something and got to put something out in left field, if you will, left field from where you thought you were going. And God will just be like, come this way, come this way. And if you don't go that way, the road will get bumpier and bumpier and bumpier and choppier and choppier and choppier. And you're like, I really want to go this way, God. And God will be laughing. like, <laughs> I told you this way. I, I, I told you go this way. And I guess in that sense, God has a sense of humor. Because when God call, when God makes these 
these when, 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 when the adjustment calls happen before time, but when we bump into his judgment calls in time, the things that he wants us to do differently than what we thought we were going to do, um, I guess there's a I guess there's a a, a a a laugh out of frustration that we have that it's like <laughs> really God in, in in the sense of the the laughing out of frustration of I wanted to do it this way, but God said do it this way. Let, and, 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 and suffice it to say, I am an avid believer of if we're left to do it on our own, we will blow it. Period. Yeah. I am an avid believer of that. Nobody, nobody has the answers. Nobody has the care. And even if you had the wisdom to know what to do, we don't have the character to do it right. That, yeah. that's, that's, that's just the way we wired. We're wired in such a way that if we're left off to our own devices without that, without that God level mentorship, if you will, we're, we're, we're going to go off in all kinds of uh, crazy things. And to be perfectly honest, without God, we're, we're just the sum total of the circumstances we came from. So, right. so to, to, to go into the spirituality and go into faith and go into, and go into knowing God is to overcome your circumstances. I, 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 I presume we're going to spend a lot more time talking about that a little bit later in the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited yeah. for that part. Okay. Well, I'm excited too. And um, I'll just say before I pull into the uh, meme of the week that I definitely agree with you. And I think the funny part is letting us try. I think that's where the joke comes in because you will try. Like I can't tell you how many times I tried to do this thing without listening and following the instructions, but this is how it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be what I designed on my own, you know, and in order for it to do what they wanted to do, I usually say they, because it's feminine, masculine thing, judge me. But in order for it to do what it's supposed to do, I have to follow those instructions. So trying to do anything by yourself that you feel like you've been divinely led to do is going to end in ultimate failure for you and and laughter for for the for the creator, because that ain't what you were supposed to do. But you didn't listen. So it's just like parents and kids. You know, I think when 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 we're doing what we're trying to do, we're operating just like our kids, whenever they're learning to grow up. And, and then, you know, once you finally grow up, you're like, okay, my mom is not an idiot. You know, there is wisdom there. And so that's really how you kind of return back to that and, and rest in the knowing that the instructions are there. You just have to follow that obedience. Okay. So let's talk about this meme of the week. Mm, let's take a here look. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Now, I pulled this directly from the group, and it says, men who enjoy one-night stands, live-in girlfriends, casual sex, quote-unquote friends with benefits, kids out of wedlock, creating soul ties galore. You are responsible for her crazy, for her becoming promiscuous, and you are supposed to be leading her and have created that generational curse, and now you're looking for a wife. So what are your thoughts on this, Nelson? I'll leave it up here for just a few seconds. Mm-hmm. So in the midst of that, uh, those conversations that I had with the, with, with the kids in school, one of them, cause it was, it was, it was a class of like all, all boys and like one girl. So especially when the, 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 the girl wasn't present, cause I, I, I genuinely feel like, uh, 
the, the, the growth of boys and the growth of girls is equally important, but they don't have identical needs. So mm-hmm. when I had the boys um, in my final period, the, one of the main things I would tell them is you can never I can I cannot overstate the utility in taking your bits and going home. Mm-hmm. Take your bit, take your bits and go home, bro. Just take your bits and go home because if you if you are one of these people that okay, well, I, I wanna I wanna go get my rocks off. I wanna go do this. I wanna go do that. Oh, she looking good over there. Let me get over there. Let me do over there. First of all, not only do you distract yourself from purpose, but you can read the very circumstances that 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 are talked about in this meme and create and, and create uh, and you encoded trauma. In, in 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 your children that that you are siring that you aren't even prepared to take responsibility for and um I, I I know some gentlemen like this they I'm not a fan of some of the things they've done one of these gentlemen is actually kind of close to me and uh, I was very disappointed in some of the decisions that he had made and it's just I I, I just I don't I don't I don't I get it, but I don't get it because if sex felt like razor blades in your no-no parts, nobody would do it. Not but, your no-no parts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep it at least somewhat PG-13. <laughs> you don't have to do that. I don't have any children listening to my podcast feed or in this group. Uh, I mean, I mean, if, if 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 you if you were if you were feeling razor blades and you in, in, in you were feeling razor blades, if, if a man felt razor blades in his dick every time he had sex. He probably would, you know, practice a little fiscal conservatism with his penis, but yeah. sex feel, sex feels good. And and let me just and let me just say this just point blank: the male orgasm is extremely straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, in, in contrast to the female orgasm, where there's just the, there's just the libraries of literature that talk about it. But the male orga- the male look, if it, men, if you eat right and exercise even a little bit. You're gonna get the point A and the point B. And you're gonna need some rest. That's just all it is. <laughs> but and so um, you're gonna need some rest afterwards. You're gonna need some rest, a sandwich, something. I mean, only the most virile of men could be like three, three, three deep breaths. Let's go do it again. But that's that's a oh, whole really? separate discussion. Okay, let me yeah. take the meme down because I feel like I need to have this discussion. So you can't just bounce back. I mean, immediately after, unless you are particularly fit and particularly virile, you need at least like a couple little minutes or whatever, like the breathe, go get you a sandwich, get you something to drink, something. So you have to I replenish mean, yourself. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Cause that it's, it's, sense. It, 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 it's literally, a, it's literally a man emptying out. We'll call them energies at this point. Oh, <laughs> so okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying like, it's like hours and hours and days or something like that. But I mean, the actual physiological mechanisms say, there's at least some pause. Like your your most the most virile men, you know, the ones that that the men in sex work who have all kinds of enhancements because they that's part of their job to keep that keep that virility up and be able to get right back in there. So I mean, you can take a lot of that stuff outside of that industry and enhance that, but I'm just talking about it as a as a default setting. Most men need at least a couple little minutes because yeah. I mean that because the, the initial response is the blood rush is gone, and if you ain't got no blood, you're not gonna you're not gonna get you're not gonna get you're not gonna get no sex. And wow. and 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 
um, my heart goes out to all any men suffering from any form of anemia because it's tougher for them because there's less blood to go do the things with. So, so let me find out erectile dysfunction is a form of anemia. Uh, <laughs> erectile dysfunction is a little bit more complicated than anemia. Um, that, 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 because, because with that, you got all kinds of emotional and psychological really? factors and genetic. Yes. Erectile, dis- erectile dysfunction can be 100% psychological. And okay. I mean, I've experienced it in the past when, when you, when you take them real hard emotional hits, the last thing you, the last thing you're thinking about is a nut. When you, when you wow. take the real hard emotional hit. Now I'm, I'm sure there's stories that, that, that contrast this where men have, have taken advantage of their misfortune to get some good fortune and some good pussy, if you will. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> but I mean, it's just uh, it, 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 it's it's complicated. But yeah. we're, we're, we're we're digressing from the okay. from the from okay, the meme yes. of the day. We're digressing okay, the, from right. the meme of the. Let me put it back up here. Okay. So the point of this meme is really, I think, okay, for me, I feel like it's just saying definitely, and this cannot be put only on men. So that's why that was my thing about it. It was like, okay, but everybody has to own some of this responsibility. Everybody has to own some of this responsibility for the cycle that's created from essentially free fucking, I think. So I always say, Maybe not so much now as I did in the past. I was very, at one time in my life, I was very adamant that you should only have sex with a purpose, whether that is to relate to each other for a long-term capacity or for creating a baby, mostly because of what it does to you emotionally when you're not prepared to hold what has been created by the energetic exchange. That's what I think. I mean, I agree that there's and, and there's there's never been a contraception created for the for soul ties. There's yeah. never been a contraception created for soul ties. I mean, the I mean, in I mean, a lot of condoms don't even protect against STDs, but that's a separate discussion. Let's get to the pure spiritual part. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about a a, a, a spiritual exchange, and I've noticed uh, both around me and in my personal life that after intercourse. Both me and the woman, we move different, especially yeah. in relation to each other. And, I, and, and in regard to not having sex unless you have purpose, I, 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 I almost completely agree with that even now. But I would say if, if you're just going to get out there and go do it, at least be tactical, at least yeah. be tactical, at least at least show some courtesy, because at least be show some courtesy and and fundamentally Know where the person you having sex with ha- know where they stand on your relationship and abortion and all these different things. You need to know. You need those are questions. Like I understand, you know, you meet somebody in the heat of the moment. You want to. You want to get in bed. Like I'm a. I, I'm not. I'm not even. Gonna, I'm gonna look ridiculous doing that. But <laughs> but, but, but but when them look when them, when them hormones start flowing, the juices start flowing. You're not really thinking about those things. So you probably need to think about those. I would say for a man that's going out to the club, or a woman going out to the club, think about these things before you go out to the before you go out to the club. Because when you because when you get because when you get posted up on, when you get posted up on somebody you want to have sex with, mm-hmm. them little thoughts gonna go flying out the window, and you start to think about you start to think about which position is gonna work and which position is not gonna work. It's it's it it's, it 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 it's human to right. it's human to have these thought processes. Exactly. It's human to have these streams of consciousness. I know some of my people are gonna be watching this podcast and be like, 
I'm 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 not religious, nor did I ever claim to be. I'm I'm real. I'm I'm real. I'm here, and I'm having practical discussions that I'm sure if the church had discussions like this, we wouldn't right. be we wouldn't be like church. Ugh, I'm going to church, right? Ugh. Right. Because there wouldn't be so much judgment taking place on the things nope. that are human. I mean, because that's 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 my biggest thing, and and then I guess I will um. At or we can go into our second discussion but I feel like a lot of time people feel like they can't go to God or be in connection with their creator because of their humanity but that's the thing it's like they know that we are in the body and that we do body things you know like anything you feel shame for has been planted in you by somebody who wanted you to feel shame for those things, you know, and you don't have to. You don't, you don't. And ultimately the matter of the, the, the I, I would say to, to, to have real conversations with God, wherever, no matter where your sex, your, no matter where your sexuality is, you need to have a real conversation with God about it. Because when you genuinely just go to God and I talk about your pastor, your priest, your parish, your whoever go to God, and and this is coupled to, you know, time in the word, knowing God and all that kind of stuff, getting to know him there. But the real time communication with God, because the key to overcoming what we're talking about in that meme is the is dominion, mm-hmm. because the problem is, is that the, the, the men already have the spiritual things in them mm-hmm. that that dominate them in such a way that they're going in and, and, and going out and doing the little conquest. And, and, and on the other side. The, I mean, women, women. God gave the woman dominion too. So, right. so I mean, if the woman, the man could be pulling up, and be like, "Hey, baby, you looking good? You want me to da 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 da?" da? And you could, and the woman could just be like, "You need to go on down the lane somewhere." Exactly. That's not what we're doing over here. <laughs> exactly. The power of no and self-respect, and just being able to, and it's not even to be like I'm celibate. It's just I am choosing how I want to use my body. A- 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 absolutely. Also. uh and I, and I, and just just as a footnote before we switch into the next topic, yeah. ladies, if you if you if you gonna say no to especially a man you don't know, but even if a man you do know, get some self defense stuff in you, get mm-hmm. some arms training. Um, I'm gonna do a little shout out real quick if you don't mind, Sheba. Go ahead. There's a there's a there's a there's a there's a place if you in a, if you in New Orleans area. Uh, Angel Arms Nola hit that their slogan is don't wait for harm to arm. And that's for a whole variety of circumstances, but including this one where you're dealing with a man and he posted up on you. Look, I got no sympathy for man that roll up on a woman and she say no. And he get up on her and he get his brains blow, blown out. Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't necessarily condone murder, but if you play stupid games, you're going to win stupid prizes. Well, all right. OK. Thank you for that. And hallelujah. So, yes. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about um, our main topic, which I need to scroll to see exactly what I wrote. So I think I said, I don't see where I said it, but I said something in regards to uh, growing. <laughs> It's 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 the spiritual and genetic genetic response to trauma. I think okay, the topic yeah. was yeah. Yes, but you had come up with some really interesting title, and I tried to use it. Let me see; it's right here. 
Growing Pains, Analyzing the Science and Spirit of the Trauma Response. Hallelujah. We're so glad that we had that right there. Okay, yes. So I'll just say a little bit about how we came to this discussion. And then Nelson, I want you to go into it and give us all the tea. Um, I was talking about how I wanted to talk about uh, DNA and trauma a couple weeks ago on Facebook. And then Nelson was like, oh, but are you going to say this? And I was like, oh, but I don't know about none of that. So and if I want to talk about that, you definitely got to come talk about it. So that's how we ended up here on this beautiful live stream. And it was right on time because I was like, I need to start my show. And I had written on my to do list podcast planning. And then we were talking about it. So I was like, boom, there we go. So Nelson, tell us the tea. Take it away, baby. Thank you. All right. So. So let me just say this right now. Um, the science of this is vast and complicated and we can't really do it justice in part of a one hour podcast. So if you guys are looking for like a didactic lecture, that that's the, that's just not the that's just this isn't the place. And I mean, I mean, she was the fault content is way more interesting anyway. But let's so let's just get into the meat of it. So the fundamental discussion that we're going to be talking about here is and, and, they, and the two things work together are genetics versus epigenetics. And this is what I want to talk about first. So, there's a, so these two are related, but they are they related and interchange, interact with each other, the concepts, if you will, but they are different. So thank you. So uh, genetics, that's your straight up DNA sequence. That's that's the that's the DNA in in every nuclei, every cell, every fiber, all the genetic code in your body, the, the, the main DNA is in your nucleus. But there's also. Uh, DNA encoded in a different organelle of the cell called the mitochondria. Now, most people call this the powerhouse of the cell, but the mitochondria is way more complicated than that. But I want you to hold on to that mitochondrial DNA piece because mitochondrial DNA is always inherited maternally, which means that all the mitochondrial DNA in your body you got from your mama. So all of these have roles in development from your time as an embryo until adulthood, until you start to get older. And all your genes that all your genes that do all the things come out of your come out of your genetics. Uh, epigenetics is the environmental non-genetic factors on how those genes are expressed. So that's essentially your, your genetic code. So the genetic code, the DNA itself is wrapped around proteins called histones. So how tightly the genes are, are tied into the, 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 the histones for different forms of chromatin, if you will. And that's just kind of. The, the 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 tightness of which genes get expressed and which genes do not, for lack of more scientific terms. So, if it's really tightened up in those uh in in in, in those histones due to epigenetic factors, uh gene uh, gene expression factors, that means that the genes at that time are inaccessible. So and that and won't be expressed. And these are different in different types of cells. It's why some cells, some cells do some things and other cells do other things. And they form different kinds of tissues. Like your heart's made out of tissues that are made out of cells. And your heart has some functions and your brain has other functions and so on and so forth. So the epigenetic, so epigenetic factors, which trauma actually falls into one of falls into this category, can alter when and how these genes are turned on and off, including the process of puberty, where, I, as you could probably conclude, lots of genes get turned on and off to promote appropriate development. So there's a lot of places I can go to take this because these trauma responses are evident in diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer, many other diseases associated 
to with adverse reactions of what we're going to call the human epigenome. And what that just means is, is the entire library of not genetic factors that contribute to genetic things. But for the sake of being concise, let's just talk about one class of genes, and that's those in kind of the stress response. So the science of this is really fascinating. The fact that our bodies have a response on this level to have a response on this level to stress is just, is just absolutely amazing to me. But because even deeper than that, there's an actual science on the genetic characterization of resilience. And in resilience, this is how trauma affects kids. And it, and it happens in different kids to different extents, the resilience index, if you will. And to our kind of our earlier note about generations and, and generational curses from the mean, uh, the, the, genetic character, the, the genetic characteristic of resilience is actually heritable. You can actually inherit resilience resilience to varying degrees because one of the studies I looked at uh, looked at this and kind of um, Holocaust survivors and another gave association from prenatal inheritance from the mother the resilience piece so that's why this is important because we still don't understand the fullness of this mitochondrial genome I actually did my old grad school work on mitochondrial DNA depletion and the different syndromes from that and Based on what I was studying 10 years ago, most of the kids that are affected by that, you throw vitamins at them. Like there's no therapeutic, there were, there were no real therapeutic treatments. You just threw vitamins at them and hope they got better. So we, we so the, just the variance itself, it just implies just a, a host of complex gene, gene and gene environment interactions, which is essentially kind of the complex signaling process for the body to do the things. So which things in the body, which things are the body doing in relation to stress? So one of these key players in the stress response is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis or the HPA axis. So to make kind of a long story short, this is where the nervous system and the endocrine system, one of the places where the nervous system and the endocrine system kind of interact with each other. And they influence both each other and the stress response. So, so epigenetics come into play here because it causes a differential gene expression from what's supposed to be there based on the trauma. And as is, and, and, and another study that I read just that compared the hippocampal tissues of one group of kids that committed suicide and another group of kids that had no history of trauma showed that there were over 350 differences in what they call promoter sites. Now, what's a promoter site? For lack of a more scientific explanation, because I'm really not trying to get no didactic lecture here, is that's the part of the DNA sequence where the the factors that promote, like it's trans, it's it's uh it's transcription in the microRNA and then the proteins that actually then then the translations of the proteins that that actually go do the work. Um, that what that means is is that some were being overexpressed and some were being underexpressed, but 362 were different from what they were supposed to be. So going even deeper than that, there's a there's a literal condition called central precocious puberty, where puberty starts at an early age due to there's one specific gene uh, called um, NMKRN3. 
Um, and, I, and I'll have uh, sources available uh, if anybody uh, wants to you know, look this up for themselves. But um, this gene is um, this gene has a loss of function mutation, which allows the which, which allows the uh, hippocampus to release bursts of a hormone called gonadotropin releasing hormone, which means which was what actually triggers the development sometimes two to three, two to three years early, like even before ages eight and nine in girls and boys, respectively. And even another study that revealed that when this gene is not doing it, like the gene is not doing what it needs to do, like it's supposed to, is that the gene from the mother is the, 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 the part of the, the part of your expression that you get from your mom for this, for this particular gene. It's not one of those mitochondrial joints, but it, the part of the, the gene that you get from your mom, the, because you know, mom and dad both contribute genetics. The part from the mom is silence. It don't even get to, it don't even get to be expressed. And they, they talked about it's silence, but it's, it, it's, it's, it's present, but not being expressed, I guess it is, a, is a more appropriate way to say it. So, I mean, even the study even commented comparing a boy and a girl with this early puberty, getting it from their asymptomatic carrier father and paternal grandmother. So I definitely want you to stick a pin in that for the spiritual part of this conversation. So I looked up and I couldn't find uh, anything with this gene that was directly related to trauma response. But it is associated with that uh, with that HPA axis that I that I spoke of a couple of minutes ago. So, um, so in my opinion, there's a whole different set of uh, there's a whole set of whole direction you can go in with this and trying to characterize the characterize the response. So, um, but I feel like it could be it's just more part of a more genetic and epigenetic complex and. There's even responses to uh, so switching gears for just switching gears for a moment, not really switching gears, but kind of continuing on. But there's a kind of a, a, a two to one response in response to PTSD, PTSD related stress response puberty in girls versus boys, which both sex based and gender based issues were of note here. So speaking speaking of girls, uh, yet another study that I looked at took 96 girls in foster care. Boy, it, Anybody watching this knows that the, the foster care system is complex. And look, if you if you are a foster parent and you want to and you are legit and you're trying to love on these kids, you are a champ. Please go disciple people. And so this study talked about their uh, responses to kind of physical and sexual abuse that was instead that were both associated with all the early onset puberty. Now, the physical abuse had a more sharp transition in kind of the the the, the 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 in their development because they took like the they took different characteristics of puberty at different checkpoints over two years and what they concluded was that the girls who were sexually abused as opposed to physically abused their body had already produced a trauma response that kind of flattened that curve over the time frame of their study because unfortunately these poor young these poor these poor girls had a head start so I mean, there's just so much we could talk about with the science, but let's just so let's so let's um, let's just kind of take a step. So let's take a step. Let's take a step back. Um, take take a step back from the science now, 
And let's reintroduce our hostess with the most so we can talk more about kind of what is trauma, kind of the spiritual side and kind of do kind of a bridge between the two ways that these can be expressed. But um, I want uh, but in, 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 the, in the transition to this, I want to kind of talk about the elephant in the room. Mm. And for this, I looked at like five or six scientific like journal articles and then maybe five or six more regular articles. And let me say this right now. I didn't find any black authors on both the re on neither the research or the clinical side. And with the generation, with the unique generational high side damage people who look like us have to deal with, why are more of us researching this? Just oh it's 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 mind-blowing to me. So So here's my thoughts on why. Uh because of the shame associated with it and what we have to go through through healing our own selves to, to even say, I am going to dig into this. So much comes up for you. And a couple of things stood out to me in your uh, message there. And is one, I have precocious puberty. I was also sexually assaulted very early, but my mother also dealt with sexual assault as well. And uh, my daughter actually, they say has, precocious puberty. Now she has interesting genetic anyway, but I thought, okay, because hers was even earlier than my own. So I'm, I'm really hoping she's eight right now. So I'm really hoping that we have a couple more years before, uh, you know, she begins her cycle because I'm gonna have to box her in between the washer and dryer, you know, but um, yeah. So, so I definitely agree um, that that plays a part in it. Um, and then other um, like you said, other pieces of stress and PTSD, like you do have to become grown very early on, you know, so I think your body just reacts to it and says, okay, well, let's grow then. Let's be grown. You know, like I can look at a picture of myself at six years old. And this is one of the ones I posted last week. Maybe it was last week, two weeks ago. I'm not sure. But I noticed that the lady behind me and I both had the same uh, hand placement and I was only six and this is a grown woman. So I thought, wow, I was already holding the stress of a grown woman at six years old. So there's so much that goes into it. But I think when I was talking about the way trauma replicates in the DNA, I was kind of specifically talking about the same issues that you see your parents going through. And that's if you look back that way. Because in order to look back and have that kind of idea about it, you have to be doing your work in the moment right now. Absolutely. And it wasn't until I was trying to heal the trauma and I was trying to make new choices and make changes for the future generation that I did recognize, oh, I'm acting just like them. I'm doing the things that they did. And sometimes it wasn't so much that it was seen so much as it is just the DNA replicated. And I'll tell you why I think that or why I know that rather. Um, so my grandfather was a raging alcoholic. And he was very abusive to my dad and my uh, aunt and my grandmother. But he had been traumatized, which led him to that place. Then when I was talking to my mom, this is maybe like mm, maybe five, six months ago, we were talking about something that took place. And my dad had had this uh, psychic message or vision or whatever and saved them from being uh, killed in this uh, chemical explosion that happened in the 70s here. And she told me that day that my dad had a drinking problem 
the same alcohol that I was drinking excessively, but I never saw him doing that. You see what I'm saying? So it was just like my natural DNA response to the stress was to go cover it with the same exact drink that I never saw my dad drinking. So that wasn't something that I could have known from watching him, but it was just like, okay, well, what's the medicine for this? What's the medicine for this? And it was like the DNA naturally was like, it's this. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So to, to kind of reconcile uh, my section and what you just talked about just briefly. So there were parts in here where I, where I noticed uh, carrier father, gene silence and all this kind of stuff. And when I'm thinking about this stuff, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about these physical manifestations that could very well be triggered by the. So the, 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 there's the physical trigger, then there's the gene response, and then there's a new, and then there's a, and then there's a gene response, and then there's a new physical manifestation. And I don't think, and I, I personally don't believe the science is attacking this from the appropriate perspective, mm. which, to, which to your to the point very early in the podcast, kind of the separation between faith and science. I feel mm -hmm. like if we reconcile these a little bit more, we could get some solutions to problems just like these that the actual data in the papers isn't showing us. Mm -hmm. How do you think we could do that? Or what would be the method you think, the methodology behind that? Um, well, I mean, it, it, would, it, it would require the people doing, because you know, there's a whole bunch of regulations, the NIH and stuff like that. You can't, so a person who has experienced trauma currently can't legally do that research on themselves, mm -hmm. but, but, um, or their families because conflict of interest and stuff like that. And mm. I get that. That's fine. But we could always, I mean, it, it, it really comes down to a lot, a lot of, uh, uh, it really comes down to the solution, if you will, um, the solution for a lot of things. Let's go out in our communities and help them understand more about why am I here? Mm. And armed with this knowledge, I mean, getting, I mean, getting, getting people in the inner city to trust them, to get the, the trust in anything that even looks like the government. And, 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 and to a lot of people in the inner city, science looks just like the government because it's a person in a suit talking smart, if you will. So, yeah. So the people, so so there, there has to be a fundamental paradigm shift in how the the scientists and the, and the public health officials and the social workers even approach these people to even kind of try to do these studies, kind of based on do these studies that would characterize that would characterize the the faith based trauma response and res resilience index of. Mm -hmm. Kind of the kind of these gene kind of these uh these gene expressions based on this this general what I like to call generational hindsight damage because I feel like if you studied it the people who had people who got into their faith and attacked their hindsight damage the generational hindsight damage and broke generational curses would you would you would see that they and their offspring would have higher resilience indexes than people who did not do these things, mm -hmm. but because there's no scientific data to already support it or point in yeah. that direction, it would be very, very difficult to get grant funding for this form of research. Mm. So, so I would say 
and it, and this is and you talk and, and and talking to somebody who spent most of their early adulthood in science. And I'm not saying throw away the science, but you have to understand the science. So if you so if you can't reconcile the science and the faith, I would I would I would make the argument in a heartbeat. Focus on the faith. Yeah. Focus on focus on the faith smattering the science as opposed to focusing on the science and smattering in the faith. Mm. Be, because what, what I've noticed is is that um if your if your worldview if your worldview is if your worldview is in the kingdom and you've already evolved, evolved if you will, if you've grown in that, you are more you are more receptive to the entire marketplace of ideas than if your worldview is in science and you and you grow to your full measure there. If you grow your full measure in the scientific world. Things that don't quote unquote look scientific, you one will you will be far less receptive to th those kinds of ideas. Um, in which I use that example of the department uh, chair earlier in the in the podcast with his very insensitive, um, his very insensitive characterization of of faith. Yeah, well, I think sometimes too, like. When you close yourself off to the idea, and tonight in my seminar that I've been running, we are going to be talking about faith and limitless possibilities because I want to talk about this. It's very important to the foundations of abundance. But also, when you've closed yourself off to that, you don't know how God works or where God where God works, you know, where God lives and, and any of that. So it's very easy for you to be like, it's an impossibility, you know, because you don't believe it. and you know, it's, it's fine for those who do, but you will continue to struggle because you don't have that connection and that support, I think. And I mean, I would be willing to uh, offer up myself and, and my family for testing, because I think if people could see the quantifiable evidence that their, their genetic makeup is the one that is going to turn it over, they would be like, well, then it is me because so many people are the chosen person in their bloodline that is going to be the strong one that does the work that makes the different choices that changes the wave. But because there's nothing that says here are the indicators of you being the one. People are in such disbelief when they're hearing the message that says you're the one, you're the one, you're the one. And so then they don't do it because that's where I was at. I was like, I can't possibly be it. Because I can't. Why would I be it? But I am it because I've already done it here. So, you know, but I can't say what the what the indicators are, except for you might be a little bit crazy. I mean, the, the, <laughs> this this characterization to reconcile faith and science, it's it, 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 it's so complex and, and has been practically it, it's gone practically un. I don't think unstudied is a word, but it's gone practically it's gone practically overlooked in the entire scientific community. They're talking about psychological and behavioral aspects, yes, because there's whole entire disciplines, sub disciplines of psychology that are dedicated to this, but but they are terrified to drift into faith, which I which speaking of God's sense of humor, is ironic because the problem is, is that in science, because science can't give you all the answers, at some point, even in science, you have to make a faith-based decision. Yeah. Now, what you put that faith in is not necessarily what we're talking about, but because we don't have the answers, we don't have all the answers, we have to put our faith in something at some point. 
and science puts their faith into certain things and people who think spiritually put their faith in other things. And I feel like to truly get all the answers, we need to use we need to use the tool of science to kind of have a greater characterization of greater characterization of many things, including trauma responses and how the body responds to it. Because I feel like if we if we if we got it down to a, I guess you call it a pseudoscience. I don't like yeah. that word though. I don't like that word because actual science is being applied here. But yeah, and so maybe it, maybe even just using the word process. Process. That, that that sounds like a much better characterization, but um, crossing the but reconciling the tangible to the intangible, I feel like mm-hmm. is the best way to get these characterizations to get these people actual help. Yeah, because I believe what's really taking place is we're not understanding, and this is when I was like, oh my gosh, I because I know that I had a lot of those same traits that were negative and probably borderline abusive, if not all the way abusive, as a parent. Because first of all, that was what was replicating over and over again. Right. So it's like, when I discovered, I was like, so this is what my behavior is doing to the energetic body of these people that I gave birth to. So it's like, I tried to give it to people in that way, your energetic body, your emotional body, the one that you can't see is the one that's carrying and holding the trauma and is responding to everything. So like when we get anxious, when we get nervous, when we get overwhelmed, it's that energetic body. And there's something that's locked in there through a past experience, trauma, which could be generational, that is reacting to this external stimuli. And so explaining that and just really making this concept more mainstream, I think will allow people to say, well, what have I now done to this person's energetic body? And what is happening in my energetic body that I am emitting this, you know, that I'm doing this now. So yes, that is where I'm at with it. And I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly, it's exactly where we need to head. I mean, if, if, if someone had this level of understanding, then the, 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 the stuff in the meme of the week doesn't happen anymore because there's too much mindfulness. There's too much awareness to make those moves. Just like right. I talked about to be to be tactical about it. Well, how can you be more tactical than understanding understanding both 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 the spirit and the and the science of of the trauma that you come up with to to, to, to figure out how that you how you got the way that you are? It's just it, it's 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 mind blowing to me how how I uh, approach how, how with the stuff that I came across that I wouldn't have even approached the same 10 years ago. I wouldn't have even, if you gave me these same articles 10 years ago, I give you a completely different response. Yeah. It, well, that's growth. So, growth. And that's beautiful. So Nelson, I appreciate you for coming on here with me today, honey, and being my first person that I talked to on power up royalty. My prayer is that this show takes over somewhere <laughs> that people really come to listen and, and hear the truth, just like I was talking about, just like we were talking about, uh, because I believe that our energetic body is the key to unlocking our greatness and to overcoming all traumas and fear that is attached to this physical reality that you live in. Because if you can get over that, you can do anything. You can do exactly what you were designed to do. And so I just appreciate you for being the first person. And is there anything else that you want to share with the audience? Um, so I, I may have mentioned this in passing, 
at the start of the at the start of the podcast. Well, I, I actually don't think I said it in the podcast podcast proper, but this is my first stream of any kind in almost eight months. So I am definitely appreciative of the opportunity to get back into the intellectual marketplace and use my talents and gifts to to serve and uh, and, and, and and provide uh, knowledge and 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 resources for those who may benefit from them. But I don't know who's going to benefit from this. I'm sure some sure somebody will. And and we'll, we'll, we we somebody may benefit from this, and we may never see it, but. That's why we do what we do to for, 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 for the return, for the impact, whether we see it or not. That's what we do it for. And I would charge each and every one of you listening to this to be mindful of the things that we talked about in you so that you can use your talents and gifts to be able to use them in order to go make somebody something better. Thank you so much. I love that. What a beautiful message. And I will say that I think everything runs on divine timing. So it is not by mistake that you and I are here. You know, it is time for you to share your message and whatever was holding you back. This is the thing that is going to help you scale the wall. So, so this is good. And I'm glad that I could help. God just listened to my spirit. So. Absolutely. Okay, well, this has been the first episode of Power Up Royalty. You can listen to this episode on the Bug Pod Productions podcast feed. It probably still says between us girls. I don't know. I've had so many different names. We'll probably try to rename it again. But for now, I'm just going to coast with this. And I appreciate you guys for still listening. We still have people downloading the podcast and listening to the feed, even though I haven't posted since March. So appreciative of that. It's so grateful for people who continue to show up. And I can't wait to see what we grow from this. So, yes. Thank you so much, Nelson. Um, make sure that when we're done here, that you go and drop all your links on the post that you want your uh, 360 and anything else so that I can put it in the YouTube information. Understood. Um, that uh, Then I guess that'll be my next stop. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you guys for uh, watching and listening, and we will see you next time. We will be talking to Chris Ward Jr., and that is going to be another person who came on with me last time I was running course correction, and I'm so excited to see where his course has taken him. So yes, I will see you later and don't be a self-hater.